0: Wow, what a powerful time of musical worship tonight. You know, they're always good and and we're always good together because this is just us up here with us out there. But tonight we really had some intensity in the spirit. Hopefully those of you that have a prophetic edge to you could sense something a little bit special. So welcome to King of Kings community tonight. We're happy you're here, you look lovely. Um, We're happy to be worshiping the Lord with you here in Jerusalem. Always love to even see the parents at the very back with the babies, you know, they're trying to be sensitive. We thank you guys for being sensitive, but I love to watch you worship back there. Yes, good job. Keep worshiping with those babies, that's right. Lift their hands up too, that's good. Praise the Lord. Welcome everybody watching online tonight as well, Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, around the world. We welcome you, over 25 nations are watching already tonight that we know of. That's just the people who told us where they were watching from. We welcome you here to Jerusalem. Listen, over the years, we've been very blessed um, to be involved in some things that we we feel have great impact, and some things like starting community groups or small groups, and then the the, the prayer summit, and then the manna kitchen, the distribution center, anchor of hope counseling center, and planting new congregations and new campuses, well... Over the years, there have been a few people that have a deep relationship with us that we did not necessarily plant something that they were involved in, but they were so deeply connected with us that they they asked, can we be part of what you're doing in the King of Kings family? And over the course of years, as those relationships continue to develop in a deep level, and there's openness, and there's, there's, there's mutual sharing of vision and values and DNA... On, on occasion, we welcome some of those folks into the King of Kings family, and so I just want to announce to you tonight. It's a it's a lot of fun, but uh, Pastor M J Quick from Anchorage, Alaska, at Jewel Lake Congregation has now joined King of Kings family. Can we just say, <laughs> welcome? So if you're you're wondering. Who are these people? Who are the the, the bigger family, not just here in Jerusalem, but around Israel and sometimes abroad? Go to our network website, kkm.network, and you can see all the congregations, all the ministries, all the locations. See the bigger family that you're part of. It's always good to be part of something larger than yourself. Amen? So praise the Lord for that. Listen, grab your Bibles or your devices. We're going to be in the book of Exodus tonight. Valerie, thank you for a wonderfully beautiful reading. Ray and worship team, thank you guys for preparing our hearts for this. I wanna also thank all the production team, the media team, the sound guys, lyrics, everybody in the control room, thank you so much. And I don't wanna leave out those ministering to our children tonight as well. Thank you guys, you can't hear me, but somebody relay that message to them. Hallelujah. We've been in a series called We Are the Temple, and of course our theme verse, Every week we read it at the beginning of the sermon, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, just to make sure we set our minds on what it should be set on. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And our premise has been this. If, in fact, we are the temple, then we should know what the temple was supposed to do. We should know about all of the articles in the temple and what they were to represent. We should know what God expects of us, and we should know how God empowers us if, in fact, we are in the role of the temple as he tells us we are. We should also remind ourselves that Yeshua says that he's the temple. So we get to do this together. It's like we get to partner with him in being the temple. We remember and remind ourselves that in the age to come, The new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. Remember, there's some things that don't show up there. One thing that doesn't show up there is the sun. It says we don't need the sun because Yeshua's there. The same way he was in Genesis chapter one, when there was no sun and yet there was light. It also says that there's no temple there. We don't need the temple at that point because he is the temple and he's standing right in front of us. And we are partnering with him. Over the course of this series, we've looked at all of the history of the tabernacle, temple number one, temple number two, temple number 2B, which is the renovation of Herod, and then we looked ahead a little bit to Yeshua in the age to come. We also looked a little bit at, would there be a third temple, right? The Bible seems to indicate there will be a third temple here shortly, right here in Jerusalem. You have a front row seat to that. I hope you're going to enjoy that and be part of whatever is coming with us. I can give you two commitments right now. Whatever is coming ahead of us will not be easy. So if you didn't sign up for that, you may want to rethink it. It's not going to be easy. But I can also guarantee you that it will be full of God's power. So if you've longed to live in that state of the Holy Spirit anointing with great power, you're in the right place you're in the right age. The Lord has called you for the season. We've looked at the articles of the temple and what they mean to us, and we've looked at application points for each one of them. And tonight we arrive at the table of showbread. Okay, we've looked at the altar of burnt offering. We've looked at the 7 branched menorah, the bronze laver for hand washing. We've looked at the altar of incense. We've looked at the layout of the temple and tabernacle itself. And tonight we've arrived at the table of showbread. So let's open with this reading, Exodus 25, starting in verse 23. "'Make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long, a cubit wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, and make a gold molding around it. Also make around it a rim, a handbreadth width, and put a gold molding on the rim. Make four gold rings for the table, and fasten them to the four corners.' where the four legs are. The rings are to be close to the rim to hold the poles used in carrying the table. Make the poles of acacia wood, overlay them with gold, and carry the table with them, and make its plates and dishes of pure gold, as well as its pitchers and bowls for the pouring out of offerings. Put the bread of the presence on this table to be before me at all times." So we have our first photo tonight. It's the one we've been using. It's kind of a layout of the tabernacle. And you're going to see in this first illustration where the table of showbread is. So it's not in the outer court where the altar of burnt offering and the bronze laver is. And it's not in the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant is. It's in the holy place. It's in the middle. It's in the first room of the tabernacle in what we know of later as the temple. It's next to the menorah or the golden lampstand. But it's not all the way next to the curtain. That's the altar of incense. So this is the table of showbread. That's what we're going to be discussing tonight. That's its location. The bread was to be before the Lord at all times. Now, listen, what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to to build you a, a very good meal. All right? I'm going to give you the main dishes first but then I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you a couple of specialty items right around that main dish, okay? That's what we're going to do tonight. That's the plan. We're going to bring application to that. But the bread was to be before the Lord at all times. I found this very similar in language to the flame or the embers of the altar of burnt offering that were never supposed to run out. That same Wording: Let it always be before me. Let it always be burning before me. Never let it burn out. Never let it stop. Well, the bread was the same way. I also noticed that we could connect that same language with the oil in the menorah that was to be constantly burning throughout the day, and it was to be refilled twice a day. Or the incense that was supposed to be burning constantly throughout the day, and you had to make fresh incense in morning and evening. You see the pattern. What about the bronze basin, the water basin, that was always to be available for repentance. You know, all of these things show us what the pattern and the heart of God really is. What was his intention? It means this. There was to be a constant flow of repentance, a constant flow of forgiveness, a constant cleansing A constant flow of prayer and praise and provision and gratitude between us and God. That's why all of the articles in the temple and all of the elements in those articles were always supposed to be available. Because that's what God's word is for us tonight. The bronze laver, when you come to wash your hands, repentance. It's always there for you. You're always available to repent before the Lord. And then his forgiveness is always available to wash you. To burn the burnt offerings on the altar where fire comes from heaven and it burns up that sacrifice for sin. It's always available. That incense is always burning. The embers are always burning. The oil is always burning. And the showbread is always there. And God says, I want a regular interaction with you. What do we take away from that? We take away that God is always available for us. It's not one day a week, well, when I show up on Sunday, if the, if the worship is really good, then maybe God will listen to me. If I sing really loud or I'm the first one to turn in my Bible and I beat everyone else there, then God has favor on me and, I, and I, he'll listen to my prayer. Or if I stay the longest in the prayer tower, then, then he'll listen to my prayer. God is always available to you and the interactions and the transactions that you need to make with him are always available to you. There's never a time when God turns it off. I'll tell you this story. I was in college at the time, and I had been kind of growing in my courage of witnessing, and I had the opportunity to lead several people to the Lord. I had started a Bible study on campus that was well attended by a lot of athletes. They, they asked me to start leading the Fellowship of Christian Athletes on campus, and we were having some impact, I thought. And, and one day, I was in between classes, and I was in the lobby, and I was sitting on the floor, and I decided this is a great time to do quiet time with the Lord. So I took out my Bible, and I started to read. Somebody came in, and they said to me, hey, we got a party this weekend. You want to go? I said, that doesn't sound like that's going to work for me. What do you mean? It's going to be fun. I said, yeah, but when I hear you say party and fun, all of the things that conjure up in my mind are probably things I'm not going to engage in. So therefore, it does not sound that fun to me. I'm going to pass, but thank you for the honor of inviting me. He said, well, what are you doing right now? I said, I'm sitting down here reading my Bible. He said, man, why don't you take a day off? And I said, as soon as God takes a day off, I'll take a day off. Knowing that He doesn't, that was the point. He doesn't take a day off from you. He's never thinking, oh, Chad, back at the Bronze Basin, huh? Repenting again? You've overdone your quota. You know, he's never thinking, he's like, oh, he's there. Oh, I'm so happy he's coming to spend time with me. That's the way God views us. Psalm 121, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He never quits on you. He never stops. He doesn't take a day off. You might say, well, how does that play with the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath is about work. We're talking about relationship. And he doesn't take a day off from that. You know, we have a photo, the second photo of the showbread table itself. This is a rendering. This is somebody's interpretation of it. But, but look at it here, because I'm gonna refer back to this a few times during the sermon. You see it's overlaid in gold. It's made with acacia wood. You see the rings, the poles to carry it on because the table was holy. It was sanctified with the sprinkling of blood, so they had to carry it on, on poles because God set it apart. You see the bread itself itself. And you see all of the utensils covered in gold. So that's what the first reading was in Exodus 25. I want to jump forward 10 chapters to Exodus 35 and see if we don't pick up a little something extra. Exodus 35, verse 10. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle with its tent and its covering, its clasps the frames, the crossbars, the posts, and the bases, the ark with its poles and the atonement cover and the curtain that shields it, the table with its poles and all of its articles and the bread of his presence. So you saw the picture. It fits it. But this is the second time that it referred to the bread as the bread of his presence. Okay, so there's the table, that's the the wooden object, but then there's the bread. The table is the table of showbread. The bread is called the bread of his presence. In Hebrew, of course, we have the lechem hapanim. It's It's almost more like what we use, this phrase panim el panim, where you talk to somebody face to face. It's almost like God saying, that's the bread of my face because it's my presence. His, His face represents his presence, right, and vice versa. And that's not the first or last time we'll ever hear this phrase, by the way, in the Bible. Can I remind you of a pattern where God loves to talk about the times when he speaks to his people face to face? And he uses the same Hebrew wording. Genesis 32, verse 30, it says, so Jacob called the place, remember, Jacob and, and, and Yeshua, in the flesh, they, he, they wrestled together, right? The angel of the Lord wrestled with Jacob, and Jacob said, that's God, because I wrestled with God and I didn't die. He was surprised about that. The eyewitness on the ground says, the person I wrestled with was God. So regardless of what rabbis say today, they want to rewrite history, I like to go back to the eyewitness on the ground, who said he wrestled with God. And then he names the place after God right? So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. Jacob saw God face to face and he's using that same language style about face to face. That panim el panim, the the, the lechem panim. It's, It's the bread of his presence. It's the bread of his face because he wants to be face to face with you. It shows up again, Exodus 33 verse 11 the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. As one speaks to a friend, then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Again, Moses also was involved in seeing God face to face. This should indicate to us what the purpose of the table and the showbread was. It has lots of layers, and we're going to go through lots of layers tonight, but at least one of those layers is to show you that God is always available to you. We've covered that. But a second layer is God wants to meet with us face to face. It's not something he's avoiding, by the way. It's something he's setting up for us as a special appointment. Nothing pleases the heart of God more than someone who comes to him and says, I just want to be with you. Not that I want something from you. I just want to be with you. I'm lucky to have a wife like that, too, by the way. You know, we're, we're, we, we have the blessing, and listen to me, young couples, we have the blessing of of both communicating fairly well, and especially together. Now, if she were up here on stage, she would say, I don't communicate very well. I'm afraid of people. I don't like to talk. I don't have anything to say. She she would go down that that wrote about herself. Now, we all know as a community that's not true. She would have plenty to say, and it would be worth hearing, but she doesn't think that about herself. But there's a lot of times I come home, and she's able to say, I'm so happy you're home. I just wanted to be with you. I say, what do you need? I don't need anything. I just want to be with you. I always look at my kids, and you say, you see that? That's what you want to marry right there want to marry somebody who wants to just be with you face to face. That's what God wants. People who just want to show up, just come into his room, come into the holy of holies, come not the holy of Hol- come into the holy place, partake of everything that's available, sit before the Lord. I love you God. I'm so happy to see you face to face. Psalm 145, the Lord is near to all who call on him to all who call on him in truth. So from Exodus 25, we get God and the transaction with God are always available. From Exodus 35, we get how much God wants to be with us face to face. Let's do one more reading about the table and learn another layer. Leviticus 24, starting in verse five. Leviticus 24, verse five. It says, Take the finest flour and bake 12 loaves of bread using two tenths of an ephah for each loaf, and arrange them in two stacks, six in each stack, on the table of pure gold before the Lord. By each stack, put some pure incense as a memorial portion to represent the bread and to be a food offering presented to the Lord. This bread is to be set out before the Lord regularly, Sabbath after Sabbath. On behalf of the Israelites, as an everlasting covenant. It belongs to Aaron and his sons who are to eat it in the sanctuary because it is the most holy part of their perpetual share of the food offerings presented to the Lord. I know that was a lot, but let me break it down for you one at a time. The bread was prepared every Sabbath, or at least it was finished by Sabbath so that it could be placed in the holy place on the table of showbread on sabbath it was replaced on sabbath that means every shabbat there was fresh bread fresh smells in the tabernacle and in the temple that probably says something to us friends about worshiping and investing our time with the lord on sabbath hopefully that didn't just jump right over your head fresh bread presented on sabbath Now you say, Pastor Chad, we're here on a Sunday in Hebrew, Yom Rishon. How can you have the audacity to focus on Sabbath when we don't worship on Sabbath? Well, if you don't know the history of King of Kings community, we did not choose Sunday. Sunday chose us. Maybe I should just give a little story real quick. In the very beginning... God created the heavens, and the, or no, in the beginning. When Pastor Wayne and, and, and Pastor Jim Cantillon, they started the first home group of King of Kings, this is almost 40 years ago. They started in a home, and for several years, almost four years, they met in the home. And as the crowd grew and the congregation started to develop, they outgrew the home, and then they needed a place to meet. Well, back in those days... The Messianic believers weren't the most favorite in town. And not everybody would rent a place to a group like us. But we did find one place that would rent a room large enough to worship in, and that was the local YMCA. Praise God for the YMCA. But the YMCA really only had one room that they would make available to us as a a community. And that one room was only available on one day a week. And it was only available at one hour, Sundays, 5 p.m. Welcome to King of Kings Community, Jerusalem. <laughs> and over the years, we've talked and thought and tried a couple of other days of the week, and people were like, uh-uh. We, we like where it's at. I, we, we've connected with it. We've built it into the fabric of our life. Let's just keep it going. And so changing it to a different day never worked. So we stuck with it. We listened to you. But even though we meet on Sunday, and that's perfectly okay, because you know what? There's never a law that says when you cannot worship the Lord. Worship him every day. But there's a fresh presence gift every Sabbath. And so even though we may not worship corporately on Shabbat, we should all be making dedicated space for the Lord in our life on Shabbat to receive that fresh presence of the Lord. Now, another element that we just read about was what else was on the table? Well, it was the two stacks. So if you go back to the picture, I don't know if our team has the ability to grab that picture going backwards, but if you could go back and grab it, you see two stacks. So these people got it right. There's six in each stack, but then there's, there's like some u, u, um, utensils, utensils in the middle. And it says that what is to be in the utensils was frankincense or incense. It comes from the word levona. Well, if you know Hebrew, you know levan is white, right? Levan, "Levana" is white. If you have ever eaten something out of your fridge called levanay, it's like a white, sour, creamy thing, cheesy thing. They don't give you all the ingredients, so we're not sure exactly what it is. But it's kind of like sour cream and cheese, cream cheese mix, mixture. And it uses that same root because frankincense was one of the elements in the incense of the temple, right? Remember the incense? And it left a white residue. So that's why they they linked frankincense with the The It's the white. But that frankincense was supposed to be in the utensils so that the priests could use it and they could pour the offerings out on the bread before they would eat it. Interesting. See, you don't pick that up from Exodus. You get that in Leviticus. That's why you got to read the whole Torah, Now, who could eat it? Well, it was for the priests. It was very clear, and they could eat it whenever they wished to eat it. The bread was physically for the Levites, and what it means to us, because it's physically for them, was it means that God's provision is always enough for you. That's what that means. His physical provisions are enough for you. God has never been a God who just wants to mystically be a spirit in the clouds, those of you that may be new to the faith, one of the things you're going to learn when you read the Bible is how earthy the Bible is. It's very earthy. It's very tangible. It tells you what to do, physically what to do, mentally what to do, what to do with your families, what to do with the holidays, what to do with your offerings, what kind of attitude you should have, what you should say with your mouth, the kind of crops you should grow, when you should grow them, when you should give to the poor. It's very earthy. It's very tangible It's not just pie-in-the-sky spirituality. And when God says, I will take care of you, he doesn't just mean I'll I'll give you peace in your heart. I will do that also. He doesn't just mean I'll make your mind be at ease and give you wisdom. He'll do that also. He also means I will take care of your physical needs. The bread of my presence is so that you will come face-to-face with me, And I commit with an everlasting covenant, according to the text, I commit to forever take care of your needs. You will never have a lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not have want. Right? And this is what the physical representation of the bread meant for the priests, I found it interesting that of all of the offerings that the Levites were allowed to eat from, remember, they ate the meat, they ate the grain, they drank the wine, all of the offerings. What this passage told us was of all of the things they were allowed to eat, it said that the bread of his presence was the most holy. Remember, they 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 ate the sacrifices, they they dipped the fork in the boiling meat. Remember that? They, if you know all of the stories about the Torah, how they get food, of all of those, this is the one God said. But of all of the food you're allowed to eat from the offerings, this one is the most holy. Why? Because this one represents his presence. This one's not representing his forgiveness, or your repentance, or your cleansing, or your atonement. Or This one just represents his presence, which is what all of the other stuff is actually for. Right? Repentance and forgiveness and sacrifice and blood and atonement, all of that is great, but the whole goal of all of it is so that you can come back into his presence. The presence is the goal, and that's why the bread of his presence is the most holy. Praise the Lord. Let me give you a key phrase tonight. Of all of the things we can do for God, the most important thing that we should do is to seek to be in his presence. And of course, we learn this even more from the story of Miriam and Martha and Lazarus, the friends of Yeshua. If you want to make a note, Luke chapter 10, I'll read this quickly. Luke chapter 10:38. As Yeshua and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Miriam, or your Bibles may say Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Miriam has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. See, Miriam understood that as great as the service was and as great as the the preparations were and as great as the Oneg Shabbat was and preparing of food and as great as it was to be a good usher and a greeter and a worship team player and a, a media person, as great as all of that is and we are so thankful for all of that, none of that is the priority. The priority was to first sit in the presence of the Lord. And Yeshua verified, and he said, according to the bread of my presence, Miriam has chosen more wisely. She came to sit before me first. The rest of the stuff you can worry about later, right? My family, we love to have a little phrase. Well, they might say that I love to have the phrase. Apparently, I'm the only one that uses the phrase. But I like to attribute it to all of us. So, my phrase is small potatoes. Small potatoes. It means we have way bigger things to worry about and think about. And the thing you're feeling right now, pressure about, it really is much smaller than those other things we're dealing with. So, we should deal with it on a smaller level emotionally. Small potatoes. It's about priorities, emotional priorities, time management priorities. The way my, my childhood pastor always told me, um, he, he said it this way. It, it was the same, it meant small potatoes. That's what it meant. But th- he said it much more eloquently than I do. And he said, major on the majors and minor on the minors, right? And this is what Yeshua was saying. Martha, I appreciate your heart to serve, but major on the majors. The major thing right now Is the bread of my presence. Be with me first. Now, the table of showbread and the bread of his presence are meant to teach us about God's presence in our life and that he is present in our time of need, and he will always send provision for us physically as well. You see, God is a wonderful provider to his people, and it is important that we realize how much God hates, you ready for this? How much God hates complaining, See, the parents are giving me me a big amen on that one. All the parents with young children. That's right. That's going to be devotions tomorrow. How much God hates complaining. If there's something you want to cut out of your life this year, might I suggest try to cut out complaining. I don't mean counsel. If you need counsel, you go get counsel. That's not complaining. Counsel is what you're saying. Something's wrong. I need help. That's not complaining. Complaining is basically saying something in your life isn't good enough. Someone in your life isn't good enough. And God is, he doesn't look favorably upon complaining. Read the text, learn about it. But here's why. Our second key phrase of the night. Complaining is a criticism of the goodness of God's provision. Every time you complain, you're saying, God, you're such a bad gift giver. God, you don't know what you're doing. You're not even giving me what I need. And that speaks right back to the bread of his presence where he said, I give you an everlasting covenant that I will always take care of your physical needs. And here we are saying, God, you're not good enough. Complaining is a criticism of the goodness of God's provision. You know, the manna that was sent to the Israelites out of heaven while they were in the desert is a perfect illustration of God's provision. Yeshua references the miracle of the manna and puts himself in the role of the provider. Did you know that? Look at it in John chapter 6 for a moment, verse 31. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Yeshua said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the bread, the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Yeshua declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. It was about the the manna from heaven where Yeshua inserted himself, and he said, hey, guys, just in case you missed it, that miracle of the bread from heaven falling, it was an example. It was a symbol. You were supposed to catch that. It was a symbol of me. I'm the bread of heaven. I'm the one that was giving it to you. I'm the one you need every day. It shows up many times. Now I've given you the main, I'm giving you some some specialty dishes now around. you ready for this? Speaking of the bread, I said, I'm the bread of life. But then you get into the Lord's prayer. Now, those of you that have been able to join us for the 21 days of prayer, stick with us. We've got one more week, and we're focusing on the Lord's Prayer during the 21 days of prayer. But in the Lord's Prayer, he says, give us today our daily bread. But hopefully you don't miss that he's really talking about the bread of his presence, Yes, yes, that means provision. Yes, that's what it means. It's one of the layers we talked about. It's one of the promises. It certainly means God will take care of you physically. Yes. But what he's alluding to when he says, "Give me today my daily bread," is he's saying, "Come to the table and be in my presence because you need the bread of my presence every day." And he's making a connection to it. He says, "Come and eat." I'm always available, just like Mary did. Now back to the frankincense for a moment, the levonah in the Hebrew. You know the frankincense here is used for the bread. It's used for part of the offering on the table of showbread and the bread of his presence. Well, it's worth noting that the frankincense as part of the incense was also given at Yeshua's birth. You think that's a coincidence? You think it's just happened to be an accident? that the bread of heaven came down from heaven. The bread of life was there. The bread of the presence was physically there as an illustration for all of us. And the frankincense that was commanded to be next to the bread was handed to the bread of life at his birth. It's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. God sees the end from the beginning. He lines all of these symbolic prophetic elements up so it makes sense in the end to all of us. It means that there was a prophetic connection between the manna, the bread of his presence, and the birth of Yeshua, the bread of life coming down out of heaven. Yeshua goes on to tell a story of King David. Now, the reason he's telling the story of King David is because the disciples, after they were worshiping at synagogue, they were walking back, they got a little hungry, and there were some heads of grain in the field, and according to the Torah, you're allowed to grab a handful and eat it, and that's not considered harvesting. So they all grabbed a handful, but the Pharisees saw it, and they accused them of breaking the Sabbath, right? And so they went to Yeshua, and they said, your disciples broke the Sabbath. You need to correct them, and this is where the conversation comes in. Matthew chapter 12, verse three. Worship team, you can make your way up. He answered to the Pharisees, "'Haven't you read what David did when his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread of the presence, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath, and yet they are innocent?' I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Dealing with the table of showbread, he says, I'm the bread of life. Dealing with the table of showbread again, he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. You see how his teachings are revolving around this? Come to me every day and get the daily bread. You're going to need these lessons. You need to be in my presence. You need to be face to face with me. You need to learn that I'm your provider. I gave you the manna from heaven. You need to learn that I'm the bread of life you need every day. You need to learn that I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. The reason I could pardon David is because I was in charge of the Sabbath, I created the Sabbath. It didn't exist without me. And all of this is in the backdrop of the bread of his presence. All of these stories. So let's close with this. Psalm 34, verse 9. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. And there's that layer of provision one more time. We've given you the frankincense. We've given you the Lord's prayer. We've given you face-to-face time on Sabbath with freshness. We've given you The bread from heaven, the manna, the bread of life. We've given you Lord of the Sabbath. So many dishes are on your plate right now to think about. And I'll give you one last one. The Lord's Supper. There's an obvious connection between the Lord's Supper, the unleavened bread that we take, and the understanding that the bread represents his body. The body that was sacrificed for us. Why? so that he could be the provision that we needed for salvation and eternal life and atonement. He was the provision we needed. He was the sacrifice we needed. It was an outworking of his everlasting covenant that if you will come to me, I will always provide for you. When you came to me with sin and repentance, I provided my body for a sacrifice that was perfect. You see... That even in the Lord's Supper, we're connecting it with the bread of his presence. We're connecting it with the everlasting covenant of provision for your life. Why don't you stand up and let me pray over you as the worship team comes. I'm also going to invite the prayer team to come on down. Because we have three ways for you to connect tonight to go deeper. Those of you watching online, Joanna is leading the King's Highway community group online at 7 p.m. Israel time, just about a half hour from now. Secondly, those of you that need prayer, the prayer team is making their way forward now. If you aren't familiar with how we pray, sometimes the people who can be on camera will come to the middle, and sometimes they're not able to be on camera, they'll be off to the sides. So online folks, connect with us. Prayer will be up front. And thirdly, If you want to take us up on this challenge and just be in the presence of the Lord, just be with God face to face, directly after the service, I invite you to join us in the summit. We're going to have a time of what we call afterglow. It's where we worship, we're quiet, we pray, we listen, but really the goal is to be in the presence of God a little bit longer. You have three opportunities tonight. Let me pray over here. Father, your word is so rich. There are so many layers to tonight. The table of showbread and the bread of your presence. I pray that we've learned something, that we can take one step forward, that we can have one moment of application today. Maybe it's how much you hate complaining because it's a criticism of the goodness of your gifts. Or maybe it's the the freshness of your bread on Sabbath that you promise us. Or maybe it's seeing all the prophetic connections from the manna, to the bread of your presence, to the Lord's Prayer, to the Lord's Supper. Let us glean something tonight that we can take forward, something that's practical, that's earthy, it's tangible, and let it sink in deep tonight as we worship you. We wanna be in your presence more than anything, more than working for you, more than doing things for you, more than asking for things. We just wanna be with you. So thank you for that opportunity tonight, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Friends, I do believe there's a special anointing tonight as you come down for any prayer need, but I think there's a special anointing tonight for provision. That was really one of the words today, provision. Make a decision. Is God your provider? If so, and you need something, come and get prayer from our team. I think there's a special anointing for the provision of God in your life tonight. Let's continue to worship.